scripture this morning is uh, from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 12 and 20 to 21. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the God Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he has accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In him and through him, faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Now to him... Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Cindy. Well, I love uh, child dedication days. Nothing, nothing like starting the, the Sunday off with, with that. Um, today we're talking about the church, and many people have misgivings about the church, in fact, one of the interesting things that will happen for, for me uh, from time to time is I will get to know folks, and they will, as, as they meet me, hear that I'm not only a pastor, but I was raised a pastor's kid. And as soon as they find out that piece of information, a lot of them are kind of taken aback. So actually, we had a repairman uh, in, our, in our home helping out uh, a week or so ago, and he found this out. He found out that I'm a pastor, but also I was raised a pastor's kid. And as soon as he heard that, he was like, oh, Really? I thought it's usually, if anything, they headed in the opposite direction. You guys started a church? Like, don't they usually run from the church? And the reason for, for that thought and that thinking is because, you know, pastor's kids get a front row seat of the inner workings of the church. And, you know, to be real, that was my experience. I got to see, you know, the quote, the good, the bad, the ugly in the church. Mostly, mostly good. But I also got to see all of it, Right. A lot of people have misgivings about the church, and, and, and a lot of people can even become disillusioned by the church. But what we see in today's text is, is perhaps one of the best articulations in the scriptures for God's glorious plan. Yeah, glorious plan for the church. You might have misgivings about the church. You may have had a, a rough go at it at a younger age or whatever it might be. You, you might just be more ho-hum about church. But here in this text, we see God showing, giving us the case for why we need to, if anything, fight for the church, embrace the church, lean into the church. And by the way, God is not blind to the realities that are at play. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But he's talking about how really the church is his vision 
to reach the world. And so what we're going to talk about today is, is uh, we're titling this, this text, Defining Church. We're going to talk about what the church is, vision, mission of it, and your part in it as well, as well as mine. So let's pray, and then, and then we'll jump in. Father, it is wonderful to start uh, the day off in worship by song, but also having these little ones on the stage, just to remind us that there's a wonderful ministry happening just across the hallway over there. Lord, thank you for the teachers that are there pouring into our little ones as they have current kids uh, church today. Lord, you bless those little ones and help them all grow up to be pillars of your church, even as we consider what that means today. Thank you for this time together we have as adults in this space to look at your word. Father, as ever, we, we ask for your spirit to open up your word to help us respond in the way that you would see fit for us each today. We pray all, and pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So uh, Paul, the writer of Ephesians, does kind of a classic Pauline thing here at the beginning of our text. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul starts out basically making a statement only to interrupt himself and not pick it back up for, I don't know, 14 at least, maybe even more uh, verses. Uh, it reminds me of this guy I got to listen to at a, at a conference a couple years back, a guy named uh, Patrick Lencioni. I don't know if any of you guys have heard of him. He's written a couple of books, kind of like a leadership consultant slash guru, that kind of thing. And he was in the middle of this talk, talking in front of actually tens of thousands of people when you think about how it was broadcast out. And he was, he was talking about at, at one point how he has the Myers-Briggs personality of, of the ooh squirrel type. And uh, it was actually on display in this talk because he would just be talking about, you know, the things that he had prepared, but then, ooh, squirrel, something would come up in his mind. He'd just like go off-roading for a while, talk about that. I feel like that's kind of what Paul is doing here. Because if you look at verse one again, it says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of Gentiles, wait, 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 surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace. And we have this detour that he takes us on. Uh, it's really quite incredible. Uh, it's, it's, it's really fascinating to even think about it in these terms, too, because if you've been here with us as we've been going through the book of Ephesians, you know that Ephesians, in, in Ephesians 1, Paul starts out with a bang, just taking his readers to great heights, saying every spiritual gift is made available to you, has been given to you in Christ Jesus. That's where he starts, verse 3. And then chapter 2, which we looked at a little ago, he's, he takes us to even greater heights, saying you have been made alive in Christ. And so in chapter 3, he's, it's almost as if in verse 1, he's shifting to, okay, so here's what this means. And actually, he'll get there in the more practical side of the, of, of the book. But first, he's like, well, wait, hold on, hold on, before I finish that thought, before I finish that thought, I, I, there's just one more thing. It makes me think of Steve Jobs, actually. He said, one more thing. And he's like, you got to understand this before we move on. And he says, there's this mystery you need to understand that's been made known to you. Now, mystery in English can have the connotation of this like, kind of like this eerie thing, this like scary, you know, like what, what do you make of it sort of thing. In the Greek, mysterion, it's really actually just all positive, incredible, like awe strike, like inducing, like, wow, what is this that's been made known? And in sh very short uh, words, or single word, he says, this mystery is that God has established the church. God's established the church. This mystery that's been hidden but made known now to you guys, is that God has established the church, which let's pause and let that sink in for a minute. We have said that Paul has just been pulling out all the stops in Ephesians and saying, this is, these are the blessings that you have in Christ. I mean, it's just incredible. And he's just been building on that, building on that, building on that. And then he says, but, and, and, and don't you miss this. He has also established the church. 
I think a lot of us can easily take for granted the beauty, power, the, the amazing thing of God establishing his church. But here we are 2,000 years later, and it's still not just America, but just the, the globe over, just thriving, uh, making a big difference. I met a new neighbor this last week, and they found out I was a pastor, and we just started, they wanted to get into a, a spiritual conversation, so we just went there. It was a long spiritual conversation uh, with this uh, neighbor. It was really fun. And anytime that, that happens, I don't know what perspective they're coming from, especially in the Silicon Valley. You just, you just don't know. Um, but he, he said, by the way, he's not Christian. He said, man, the church is so valuable. We, we so need the church. I was like, that's interesting. Tell me more. You know, I was like... He's like, it's just been having a huge impact throughout history, and we needed it. And I kind of, I even kind of played devil's advocate. But what about all these other conversations? No, yeah, yeah, I get that. No, but we, the church is having such a big role in society. We need that. Uh, current family, do, do you take the church for granted? I mean, it's just, this is the mystery that's been made known to us that is of cosmic importance, as we'll, as we'll get through to it. Uh, God established his church. It's the mystery made known. All right, so here's what we're going to look at today. Three things, and we're going to go through these quickly. But three things of what the church is and then what your or my part in it is. Number one, the church is a diverse body of Christians. We see that in verses 2 through 9. So we've said that Paul has, been, has established that a mystery has been made known, and that was essentially the church. But here's what he says more specifically in verse 6 about this mystery. He says, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise of Christ. So if you were here last week, you know that we talked about how Gentiles, meaning all non-Jews, so a very broad category of people, okay, all non-Jews, these, these Gentiles, had been previously doubly alienated, okay? They had been alienated from God and alienated from God's holy people, okay? And what we saw last week is that God also helped them experience double reconciliation. God has, those who are far away, these Gentiles, have been brought near. So they have been reconciled to himself, and they've been reconciled to God's people. And specifically, what Paul is now saying is, they are now equal sharers with God's people in all of this, in, in the church. Now, some may wonder, wait, how is this a mystery made known? Because David, sometimes, from time to time, you'll, you'll talk about texts uh, long before Jesus even, in the, in the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, that point to this idea that God was actually thinking about the Gentiles all along, these non-Jews. What, what about that? How's that a new mystery? Uh, how's this a mystery made known to us? Well, if you think back on some of those texts that we'll reference from time to time here at Current. So, for instance, maybe the classic is Genesis 12, when God called out for himself his people through the line of Abraham, he said as a promise to Abraham, I am calling you out to be a people that I'm going to bless in order to be a blessing to others. All nations are going to be blessed through you, Abraham. And so there's part of the promise, right? God's going to bless his chosen people to bless everybody. Gentiles are kind of part of that blessing. Yes, but what Paul is saying, no, the mystery here, the mysterion, this is just incredible is that God now through the church, through what Christ did on the cross and now our faith in him, has established not just Gentiles as indirect uh, people who, have been, who are being blessed, but now people who are themselves brought in and are not only blessed, but they are now his people in order to be a blessing to all people. Are, are, you, are you tracking with that? That's the mystery. That's, that's, the, that's the reality that Gentiles have now been brought in fully, co-heirs with the Jews. Now, what bearing does that have on what we're saying today as far as it goes to the church? It's saying, it, it, it tells us that from the inception of it all, the church has been a diverse body. 
I mean, think of it this way. For culturally speaking, for Jews and Gentiles to be brought into a same group of people back then, 2,000 years ago in that day and age, was a big deal. And we have actually a lot of the New Testament scriptures help, helping us understand how they had to work that out. It was a big deal. Even, at what, even as it was also a very beautiful marking of the church. Now, I get that a lot of churches today are not known for necessarily being all that diverse. And there's some realities. We need to think about those things. But if you think about this kind of more broadly speaking, you, you need to see that actually the church is very diverse and, and beautiful in that. To, to have a little fun with this, you know, I love you guys current family. I, I love that we're in community together. I would voluntarily choose to spend my time to hang out with you guys. Like, I, I love you guys. But think of it this way. How would we otherwise be in community like we are now and today if not for Jesus? If not for what he has done in our faith in him? It's incredible that we're brought together, let alone get to do life, let alone get to do more than just life together, be, be a part of this God's greater purpose uh, that's what we're talking about. Uh, when Sydney and I lived in Shanghai, I got to be one of two pastors at a church there, an international church that uh, is about 3,000 people uh, strong. So it's a large church. And we counted at one point, there's about 82 or 83 nations represented in this church. So you think about it, like, like it's a massive, big international church all just kind of collectively coming together. As a pastor there for the time I was there, I, I regularly thought of it. I articulated it in my head as a beautiful mess like that literally, was, that phrase was just with me. Some days it was more the beautiful. Most days it was more the mess. But it was a beautiful mess. I'll tell you what. And, and it was the only reason that church existed for a number of unique circumstances in that culture and all, all the sort of deal that went alongside it. But it was kind of a, it was really a struggle even as it was kind of cool. Um, it, it felt to me like a beautiful foretaste of what I think, well, what we know the scriptures are ultimately pointing towards, and that is when God brings all his people together in the next life, people of every tongue, tribe, and nation. And by the way, not just of this life and the nations here and the cultures now, but across all history, across all cultures, it's going to be amazing. Uh, that's, that's the goal. And so current family, we're called to, as best we can, start to lean into that, embrace that, and try to be a part of that, op open our arms wide to that. Now, there's some realities that, uh, you know, for instance, I'm speaking in English, so that kind of limits it in some ways. Even, even as we're in an English-speaking uh, culture, I was talking to the person who does my hair this last week, and, you know, her heart language, she's saying, is Vietnamese. So there's just some realities there. that She, she finds a Vietnamese church where she can understand in that sense. There's, there's different realities in terms of how we look or, or, or the culture we're in. There's, there's those realities, but we have to be thinking about this as we started to last week. Consider, are we working towards making that a reality? Or maybe even more importantly, first, not working against it and trying to uh, have a arms open wide. So the church is a diverse body of, of Christians. Real quickly, uh, this word church in Greek is ekklesia. It's worth noting that that's not, it doesn't mean, it doesn't have the connotation of a building. Uh, I think that's helpful because I think in our English vernacular, we often say, hey, I'm going to church or look at that church as we, as we drive by. It's either like a, we use it as a building or as, as an activity or an event. But the reality is it's a people. It's a group brought together. More literally, it's an assembly of folks coming together. So the church is a diverse body of Christians. Number two, the church is a broken people growing in grace and wholeness. Okay, The church is a, a broken people growing in grace and wholeness. Look again at verse six. 
The mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together, quote, in the promise in Christ Jesus. What is this promise in Christ Jesus? We remember back to chapter 2, it's that we've been made alive in Christ, that we were dead in our transgressions, but God, allowing us through faith by grace, has saved us. Meaning, the church is filled with people who are jacked up, or to use a biblical term, sinful, deeply sinful. Uh, this last week, uh, the group that meets in our backyard, we were talking about the concept of sin. And while I think it's important to leave kind of the more particulars of what we were sharing in that group uh, in that space, there was, a, there was a general theme of folks sharing and saying, uh, you know, the, the idea was, you know, as, as we get older, it's easier to see sin and its effects in the world. Like they were just sharing. Just, it's just like, man, the older I get, the more I can just see sin at work and how it just impacts things, like even in the workplace, like the way people are just talking and, the, and, and what perhaps even most meaningful of all, these folks also saying, and, and I can see more and more easily how it's active in me, how I just see that in me. And we were, we were talking about that and just kind of wrestling with that. Church is not a group of people who have their act together. Church is a group of people who admit and live from, they don't have their act together and they need Jesus. Uh, that's the point. It's a people growing in grace and, and the wholeness of Christ. In fact, every time we do, well, just about every time we do a welcome lunch, and we're doing a welcome lunch today, if you're new here, we'd love to have you back for, for a nice lunch to talk about this. One of the things I will mention, one, one of the things I will say is, do not come to Current if you're looking for the perfect church. Because that doesn't exist, first of all. But second of all, if that's kind of your mindset, even kind of subconsciously, we're going to let you down. Just give it some time. Now, hopefully we won't do it intentionally. Hopefully we won't do it maliciously. But the fact is, we are an imperfect people who desperately need Jesus. And that's, and that's really the whole point of this. I, I love how Paul just models out this in our text. He says in verse 8, this is the apostle, the ambassador of Christ. Although I am less than the least of all of the Lord's people, he says, this grace has been given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. The leader in God's established church is saying, I am the least of God's people. Now, there's a little bit of context there. He had been out there trying to just stomp out this early Christian faith as it was rising up, like throwing people in jail. Needless we could tell, uh, having them killed. So he's probably referencing that. And yet he's also just modeling for us the fact that, man, he was the least of these. He doesn't deserve it. And yet God has elevated him by his grace, not only into his family, but to be a leader. The church is a broken people growing in grace and wholeness. Look at verse 12. It says, in him, that is Christ, and through faith in Christ, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. What does that mean? We need the forgiveness of Jesus regularly. And what God makes available to us is we can come before him with confidence, not out of fear like we messed up or we, you know, we don't, he's going to get upset with us or, you know, zap us with the, whatever it is. We can come in confidence, in reverence saying, Father, I've messed up. Will you forgive me? And the promise is, he will. This is such a key point, friends, when it comes to the church. The church is, is not meant to be a perfect people. It can't be. By the way, just like any other group of people in, our, in, in, in the world, 
But the church is a broken people established on the foundation of Christ and his gospel that by that working, we are growing in, gro- in grace and in wholeness. And really, this really gets at the heart of what I believe uh, this text is, is sharing is the purpose for God's church. Because if you look at verse 10, it says it's his intent, God's intent uh, now that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's through the church that God is making his manifold wisdom known. I mean, that's, that's incredible, just to start to get your, your mind around. Um, how could that be, especially if the church is so messed up? Well, that actually gets to the point. Because in our being broken and us living out of our brokenness and looking to Christ to heal us and offer his grace, we are beginning to show so much of who God is. His, his grace and his, his, his mercy. Have you ever had someone share with you, just kind of just get real vulnerable, maybe even real raw, and just share something that they just messed up or they don't have to, all together, and they just very genuinely just kind of laid it out there for you and experienced in that moment, wow, that's incredibly refreshing that they would share that. Have you ever experienced that? I experienced that even this last week. A group of pastors got together, and one pastor, really, really amazing, just started sharing how he had made some leadership decisions years ago that really impacted that church. He didn't even realize it until some folks started to kind of very graciously bring it to his attention. He realized, oh my goodness, I've been kind of, you know, doing this and not helping people. And, and then he connected. He said, I realized for my need for attention. I was like, whoa, he's just just being real vulnerable. And I was just like, that's so refreshing. Why is that refreshing? Because so often that's not how the world operates. I mean, how often, if ever, do people go, you know what, I need to own this, or I don't have this all worked out, or I'm, I think what we're talking about here is, is the point that when we do that, we see a real beautiful picture of who God is and what he's making himself known to be. And that happens in the church as we say, you know what, we are here because we need the grace of Jesus. And we are in relationship because we need the grace of Jesus. Which actually brings us to the third point, which I think kind of follows out of this one, is the church is a community on mission. Church is a community on on mission. Look again at verse 10. We're told that we are on display. This manifold wisdom of God should be made known. So we're on display. And he says something kind of interesting. He says, to these rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Yeah, I'm not going to spend just a ton of time on this, but he's... Paul is saying that when we live out our lives, when we, when we care and serve as, as the church is called to do, we're on display for, for the angels. They're taking note. Well, why would they care about us? Because we're putting on display God and his glory, who, who he is. Look, we all know and can fathom, okay, God is creator. He's provider. He's without beginning. He's without end. You know, he's, he's perfectly holy, he's perfectly, all these things. But in going to church and living out these relationships that God calls us to, we are also showing them God's character and that he is merciful, that he is, that he is gracious. And they are taking note because they're seeing a different side of God's glory. Look at verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than, we, we, uh, than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is a work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. How is God getting glory through the church in choosing to love and use a broken people and being merciful and gracious? It's almost just too much for Paul. 
I mean, up to this point, not at the end of chapter one, not at the end of chapter two, but at the end of this detour in chapter three, he busts into doxology. He just busts into a, a worship. He says, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul's just caught up. He's like, this is just too amazing. I just gotta, I just gotta praise God for a second. We can't miss this though, current family. We can't miss that who we are, what we're doing, what we're trying to be about in the community is of cosmic importance because ultimately we're reflecting, yes, even through our imperfections, the glory of God. And it's not just the angels who are seeing that and thinking and taking note. It's really the whole world. Because if you look at verse 9, Paul talks about how the administration of this mystery is happening through the church to, quote, be made plain to everyone. Okay? So everybody's taking word. Uh, no, which is to say that God uses the church to be a beacon of his love so for the sake of others seeing his love for them. It's the greatest mission of all that we get to be used by the Lord as a church to be on display. And the point here indirectly is people are watching. People are taking note. Our vision verse here at Kern, or at least one of them, is John 13, 34, and 35. A new command I give you, Jesus said to his disciples, love one another. By the way, you notice how he said a new command? I thought scriptures have this command to love, right? Well, how's that new? Well, he was establishing his church. He says, in this new church that I'm, I'm starting here, it's a new command. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. People are watching. People are taking note. When we love one another, by the way, almost especially when we own our mistakes or look for forgiveness or extend grace, Jesus is saying they will draw the connections. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples. If you love one another, we're on display. That's why we care so much about being a Christ-centered community, because we want to offer people a chance to taste and see God's love for them. How can they do that? Well, in seeing it in our community. We're not trying to do this so that Current is this cool church that should get recognition. We don't care so much as it's, it's a representative of God's church, a local church, and his love. And if people find God's love attractive through us, oh my goodness, that's what we want to be about, even as we need his help in that. So, okay, what's the church? The church is a diverse body of believers. It's a broken people growing in grace and wholeness of Christ. And the church is a community on mission, okay? That's what the church is, at least according to Ephesians 3. Uh, what's your part in it? What's mine? Uh, I want to end with two questions of application just to, th to, to think over. One, are you connected to the church? Uh, Christianity knows nothing of a go-it-alone faith. It, it really doesn't. Uh, when we are brought into a relationship with God, it's not just a personal thing. It, it is a personal thing, but it's also a communal thing. We're brought into his family. And so it's something we need to think very much about. Uh, to summarize this thought, it's, it's to say that you need people here at Current. You need people at a local church. And, other, and, and people who call Current their home need you. We are a body, a, a member of, 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 uh, of a church. Members of a body is, is, how, he, as, is how Paul puts it. Uh, and so we need to be connected. I was reading a, a book. Um, I, I am reading a book by uh, Dr. David Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, pastor... Uh, who has uh, passed away at the turn of the century, a guy out of London, England. And he's a, it's a book on preaching, and he's talking about uh, the importance of, of 
kind of the, the community element, the communal element in preaching. So a big point he's making as he's talking about preaching, he's like, preaching is not just the, the person on stage talking, right? It's everybody here. Even if it's not very responsive in culture, there's some cultures that are get really into it. Even if it's not very responsive, it's, there's a lot going on in the communal sense. So for instance, what happens is folks can see like, okay, as the preacher's talking about this, oh, my buddy who invited me from work actually believes this. Or all oh, those people over there who think this way are from this, because they, they're in this together. Like, there's a whole different aspect that's just going on beyond, just, and that's just like a small slice of what's happening when preaching is happening. And he said, he said this, and keep in mind, this was written in the 1970s. He said, with the advent of radio, we've got to be real careful. A lot of Christians are starting to say that all we need to do is listen to sermons on the radio. He said, now, that's not a bad thing. But you need to understand that if, if we just do that, we don't go in, into the church environment and listen to a sermon collectively. Like all this co- communal you know, worship that's happening and taking place, ministry is happening in church as we, as we do a worship gathering, it is not happening. And I was reading that, I was like, oh my goodness. Almost, that, that could almost word for word be applied to today's online worship gathering. Now look, we have online worship gathering to make it available so that folks can attend and be a part of that. And if that's you, that's, we're glad that you're here. But if, if, if it's something that becomes like the only thing or almost mostly the thing, we're missing out on a huge point on what the church ultimately is about. So first question is, are you connected to the church? The second question is, are you committed to a church? Are you committed? Because remember, Paul uses the phrase members of a body. And really that idea that the word members is to talk about like we're each parts of the body. We each, some of us serve more of like the function of ears or eyes or arms or whatever the case is, but we've all been gifted. We're all kind of in this together. And if we're not actively using who we are, the church is missing out. Um, by the way, I love the fact that Paul says it this way, because I think sadly what we can easily do is think, oh, church is mostly the pastor getting up there and talking. No, no, no far from it. We all collectively play a part. So the question would be, are, become, are, are you using your gifts in the way that God's created you to love and care for others? Are you looking for opportunities to serve, say, in the church where there might be needs to kind of help push the ball forward, so to speak? Are you looking to give? I mean, offering is first and foremost worship, but it's an opportunity for us to kind of give back collectively, not only to meet the needs in the community, but out in, out in the broader community. I mean, thinking about the ways in which we've been, been fortunate to be able to give to some of our uh, missionary friends in, in, in Ukraine right now has been incredible. Think about that, by the way. We could each give individually to them, and that's not to say that would be a bad thing. But when we get to give as a church, and this gift comes as a church, how much more so is that encouraging? Oh, my goodness, there's a church over there in Silicon Valley that's thinking about us. So we, we use our gifts, we use our giving, and then we also can be in relationship, committed to loving and caring for each other. Uh, we're a family. And remember I said it's a beautiful, it was a beautiful mess there in, in that Shanghai church with all its diversity. Well, it's going to be a beautiful mess at any church. Why? Because people are coming together. If you've been in a, if you have brothers and sisters, you know that's the case. You can love them a lot, but you're going to have, there's going to be beautiful mess. But are you committed? Meaning to working things out, to loving, to caring as you can. And when somebody kind of you know, maybe it comes up a couple of times where you don't have it quite right. You're, you're actually listening to that instead of saying, well, no, it's just their issue or whatever the case might be. But loving and, and serving. Are you, are you committed in, in relationship? Is, does the church have its issues? Absolutely. Just as any group of people has its group of issues, uh, has, has its issues. 
Uh, the church is not meant to be a people that have their act all together. If anything, it's, it's the opposite of that in the sense of it, we, we don't, and we recognize we don't, we live from that. And what's amazing is it's precisely because of God's grace that we get to experience and live out in community that God uses that for his plan of salvation in the world. I've said this from the very beginning, and I continue to feel this way. It's like to get to do this with you, current family, I mean, to look around this room and to know who's in this, in this room and, and to know that the Lord brought us together to be not only in community and experience that, it's like pinch me. It's like it's fun. We're friends. We get to do this. But we also get to link arms for the sake of his eternal purpose in helping people know Jesus, helping people grow in Christ, and even helping others see the glory of God. Uh, it's, it's incredible. The world is hurting. And you know, the, the church has its issues, yes, but the Lord is using this broken church because Christ's making it whole and being so gracious to help the world. So that's our call, friends. Uh, that's our call that we get to do as, as, as a church together. And so the questions become, what part can you play in that? What might that, like, what might that look like for you personally? Are you connected? How can you be more committed to his work in the church? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the beauty and wisdom of the church. Uh, we recognize that um, we can easily take the church for granted. And we can, even, we can easily get upset with the church for not being the way we'd want it to. But then we, we forget that that's actually what Jesus did for us and the whole point of church. That it's a body of, of Christians poor in spirit saying, Jesus, would you make us whole? Would you, would you be gracious to us? And so, Father, first of all, I want to pray for current that you would protect us, really, for starters, from ourselves, because it's really easy to just be upset and get, get frustrated, irritated to the point of destruction and others. Would you protect us from ourselves? Would you protect us from uh, external elements that can can thwart uh, the good things happening in this church. And I pray that you would help us be a light in this community, not because we're projecting that we've got it figured out, but, but because we're pointing people to Jesus, the one who saves. And our prayer is not just for currents, for all the gospel-believing churches in the area. I think of Trinity, I think of Highway, I think of Abundant Life, I think of Echo, I think of Epic, I th there are any number of churches in the area. Lord, would you bless and protect them and would you help them make known the manifold wisdom of, of God through, through the working of their church? We love you. We thank you for these times we have together. And uh, we, we commit ourselves to you as your church. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.